Blog Talk Radio. to you from Houston, and Matt is coming from Fort Worth and will be halfway to London here in a few hours. So how's it going up in Fort Worth tonight, Matt? It's good, Mike. I've, I've seen enough Texas football, and it's making me leave the country. <laughs> yeah, it, it will It will definitely do that, especially after the first half against Kansas. But, but luckily, um, the, the, the team played a much better second half. And, I mean, as we said before that game, uh, you know, the only – positive thing we can take from is it is you know that it's a win you know you really can't say that the team's getting better or not but we knew we could take a lot of negatives from it and that first half definitely started slow um i think kansas you know they come out and they give you all they want you know for a couple quarters and they just don't have the depth of the, of the players and then you know the, the pure athleticism of other teams just takes over and, and they give out you know um, so that, that's, a, you know, that's what we saw. Everybody was jumping off the cliff the first half. The first half was horrible. We didn't play well, had some turnovers, but again, it's a win. And I mean, my God, if we think the wheels are off now, had we not pulled out the win, um, boy, I just can't imagine how rough, um, you know, it could have been, I guess it, it probably would have been as bad as the, as the rice loss. And, um, um, I believe it was. It was a 94, 95, 96 right in there, the Rice home loss. That that was about about as bad as I could remember a, a low. And um, Rice was even a better team than this team. So I, I think it would have been way worse than that. So, But we'll talk about the Kansas game a little bit. Obviously, a, uh, a big road trip up to Morgantown. Um, you know, I, I wish I was going, but it wasn't in the cards for me this year. So maybe on the next time. Two years around, we'll get to get to make it back up there because, as you know, we, we had so much fun on the last trip, and you know you can't make every trip every year, but it's definitely one I want to get back to. Um, here's here's an interesting um, stat for you, Matt. Um, we've scored um, in three road three road games: Notre Dame, TCU, and then obviously Iowa State. Our offense has put together a grand total of 13 points in those three games combined. So. Um, it, it, it's hard to be to stay positive with another true road game. Uh, you know, and I always say, well, we're playing at 11 o'clock. That's a positive. But last time we played at 11 o'clock um, on the road, um, the game was 40 to nothing at about 11:15. So I, the 11 o'clock thing doesn't even make me doesn't even make me feel good at this point. So we're definitely going to talk about the West Virginia game um, because it's basically uh, playoff week for Texas football, and what I mean by that is playoffs for us to even get to a bowl game. So we're in our our playoff, and we've got to win two of the next three, or it's going to be no bowling and um, no extra 15 practices, and just a complete disaster for a season. And all of the um, strong future talk, I'm sure, will will be ramped up. So we'll talk about that. Uh, joining us um, here in about five six minutes, um, we've got Jeff Popta. Um, from the BlueGoldSports.com team. We've had many um, of their um, writers and people on in the past. This will be Jeff's first time. Um, Jeremy, the, the, the site owner, was going to come on, um, but he had um, a last-minute work engagement come up, as we can all relate to. So he's got one of his uh, new guys, Jeff's, coming on. and um, So we're looking forward to talking to Jeff in just a few minutes. Um, also, since it is West Virginia, I'll save this for the for the last few minutes of the show. But as we had, had mentioned back in August, and we had done our, our um, you know our Big Twelve preview shows, we had mentioned that our good friend um, Jerry McGee, the Deuce um, um, on Twitter, um, had passed away, and uh, we've got a little tribute for him coming up um, at nine o'clock in the last few minutes of the show. So we'll we'll save all comments and things for that. Um, but like I, I've said this many times, um, you know, some, you know, friendships in real life will always outweigh uh, football rivalries. And, you know, w- probably the, the the thing that I like most about the podcast um, since we started doing this thing 
is the amount of people I have been able to meet, uh, not just Longhorn fans that I knew Longhorn fans that I have met, but obviously the fans um, from other fan bases, especially new teams for the Big 12, you know, like, you know, um, West Virginia. I knew a bunch of TCU people already, you know, have known a bunch of the other people, but um, it's even expanded the friend horizon among those other um, fan groups. So, um, um, so and even OU, I hate to say that I've met some, some, made some really good friends um, from some OU fans and alums as well through the podcast and Twitter. So it's opened up a lot of uh, a neat doors there. And Jerry was one of those that we had met. Um, I'd been on their site. I'd posted a lot over there. Good Banny back and forth. I met him and Jeremy when we went up there to West Virginia a couple of years ago. They were such gracious hosts and, you know, had us at their RV there. And we just had a great time with them. Um, I know Jerry used to come over to hornsports.com and post a lot over there. Um, so, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Jerry a little bit um, in the 9 o'clock hour right before we close the show down. Um, so, hopefully, uh, Jeff will be joining us here in just a little bit, get him on. I'm really, I'm really curious of what, what the West Virginia's fan takes are on Hogerson. Um, you know, they were kind of expecting a little more, um, you know, out of their team this year. They're, they won their first game in the Big 12. And, you know, even the first year they, they came in, in in 2000, I guess it was 2013, um, they have just not um, acclimated um, as well to the to the Big 12. TCU struggled there. And then obviously the last two years they've, you know, pretty much been the best team. But for whatever reason, um, it has not clicked yet for West Virginia um, and I don't know if it's a lack of depth, if it's, if it's coaching, but I definitely want to get Jeff's take on what he thinks and what the, um, what the pulse of the fans are. Because at some point, you would have to think, Matt, that, um, that Holgerson is going to be on the hot seat because, I mean, they're hovering around, you know, five, six wins now a year, um, you, know, one, you know, winning one or two games in the Big 12. And, I mean, that's just not their standard. I mean, they fired Bill Stewart, who was, you know, winning nine, ten games, and then obviously – you know, they, they won several BCS games and were a top five or eight teams several years. So this is way below the standard of West Virginia fans. So, um, I mean, based on what you've seen, we'll talk about it for a few minutes before Jeff comes on. I mean, what, what do you think is, is, is going on with West Virginia? Because this is, I mean, they're going on now four years in a row of not just good football. Yeah, they're a frustrating team to watch. I think I mentioned last week that I – when I watch them, I see pieces in, in what they do. Sure, they were a really physical team. The game they played against TCU, I thought was the most physical game I saw all year. But after that TCU game, you know, they did lose some guys to injury. But, you know, even on the defense, it looked like they just kind of lost. It looked like the TCU game took the wind out of their sails. And I don't know if that was emotionally or physically or both. Um, but this year, they're not quite as physical. They're still a, you know, strong, dangerous team on defense. But uh, they'll show flashes of looking like a team that maybe you need to watch out for and then follow that up with a series or three or four plays that's just a bunch of mistakes. You know, they're, I think they're secondary. Um, you know, they're pretty handsy. They'll commit a lot of personal foul or pass interferences. So, uh, to me, I can see why that's frustrating, especially uh, to West Virginia fans, because I'm frustrated just as a neutral observer. I think I see something building, but then – they kind of shoot themselves in the foot. And I think you made a great point. You know, West Virginia, at first, I guess, when you were first making your comments, I thought, well, you know, maybe West Virginia fans are a little uh, inflated in their expectations. But you're exactly right. I mean, they were, uh, you know, they were an upset loss away from playing, possibly playing for a national championship a few years before the Big 12. They've always been kind of right in there. Um, so I can see why their guys, you know, they expected to come in here and, and make a little bit of noise. And I remember when, you know, they first joined the conference, you know, a lot of it was in good fun, but you know, the, the guys you're talking about <clears throat> from the West Virginia side, I mean, they weren't coming in here polite. Dude. They were coming in expecting to take this damn conference over. And I mean, as a fan of the conference, you, you got to love that you've got a new uh, team in the conference that has that attitude. You know, you don't want a bunch of cupcakes in, in your league. Uh, but I don't know. It just seems like, maybe they overestimated a little bit the talent level uh, of the Big 12. You know, it's not the greatest conference in the world, but it, it's a step up from the Big East from, for sure, uh, just like TCU saw with their depth problems when they came over from the Mountain West. 
Yeah, I, I think it's just a, I think it's just a lack of, of depth. And I know last year they had some injuries, obviously the quarterback concussion issues and different things, and and obviously their defense. You know, I mean, I mean, it's you know, not a surprise that that you've got to be able to score some points. And though, and though, you know, a lot of the defenses are not great in the Big Twelve. Uh, most everybody has a defense they can get a stop or two, uh, and even, even when Baylor. When Baylor's defense was horrid, they could just outscore you. Uh, as West Virginia has has not had a had a defense that was slowing people down, but now they've got a defense that can at least get some stops, and their offense is not up to par. So it's just like they've recruited better defensively, but now offense is is, is, is taking a uh, you know it's taking a back seat. And I don't know if again if you know I'm going to be I'm going to really look forward to getting Jeff's take on that. And when I say that. Um, there he is uh, on the line. So we'll get – so now joining the Orange Report from BlueGoldSports.com, um, Jeff Pasta, who is our, our been on uh, – this is his first time on the Orange Report, and I am really looking, um, for, um, looking forward to his insight on West Virginia and getting some of those questions answered, Matt, that we just talked about. It, um, talked about. So, Jeff, welcome to the Orange Report. How's it going tonight? It's going great, gentlemen. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I was uh, glad you're – Jeremy was able to get you on, and I hope that I didn't butcher your your last name um, too bad. I hope I think it's pronounced kind of like pasta, so I hope I got it right. Oh, it, it looks like his line just dropped. He'll have to call back in. He must be on phone connection. It just dropped, so hopefully he'll get right back in. Uh, lo and behold, the the, the funds of cell phone and technology again. So he must have hit a or, dead or spot. Or you pronounced his name so bad that he just got offended and hung up. Well, that that that's a possibility too. All right. Jeff, I guess you dropped it. Welcome back. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Show business, huh, guys? That's how it goes. <laughs> well, well, yeah, my, my co-host was just teasing me that I butchered your name so bad you probably just hung up on it, but I hope that wasn't <laughs> it. So. No, that's, that's quite all right. I've, I've, been, I've been Jeff Poston Pans my whole life, so i got no problem being oh. Jeff Poston. <laughs> there you go. Well, I guess what we were talking about right before you came on is, you know, uh, you know, West Virginia, uh, you know, been to BCS games under Rodriguez. You know, you fired Bill Stewart for winning a lot more football games than Holgerson has. Uh, and, you know, things have just not clicked in the Big 12. You got your first win last week. Uh, I mean, it's definitely the last couple of years have not been West Virginia standard, and I'm sure the fans are, are, are not happy. So it's kind of a two-part question. What is What did you think the status of Holgerson is? And two, what do you think is the is the missing recipe, and why y'all haven't had more Big Twelve success to date? All right. Well, I would I agree with the premise of the question completely. Um, going back to Stewart, you know, he's like the the Frank Solich of of West Virginia. Yeah. You know, fired fired for winning nine games, and you know sometimes sometimes uh, schools can can regret that. I don't think the Mountaineers are there yet. I'm not there yet. Um, Stewart was a special case. Uh, he was a you know a, home, uh, a homegrown guy. He was not yep. like he was not a uh, he was not a candidate for other jobs. You know, so I I, I didn't really have too much of a of a problem there. Um, as I heard before I came on, you were talking about how the team is is built around the defense now, but doesn't have the offense. Whereas in the past, it's it's been flipped. They've had the offense, but not the defense. That's just the reality of the of the West Virginia program. And I think they do a good job of maximizing uh, the output of the program itself. But the fact is, it is West Virginia, 1.8 million people in the state, not a great recruiting base, um, fighting with a lot of schools in that northeast region for that, you know, for the fertile Pittsburgh, Ohio recruiting area. But you've got Ohio State, Pittsburgh, Penn State, lots of schools getting in there. There's just – West Virginia is just not the program that's going to be able – to field a full team of top talent every year. It's just, it's just not the way it, that, that the Mountaineers have operated. And, in fact, if you look at the great Mountaineer teams in the past, they really are carried by a single transcendent talent. You go back to Major Harris in the late 80s, um, uh-huh. uh, Pat White, you know, Steve Slayton, Geno Smith, Tavon Austin, you know, these singular personalities that kind of transcend X's and O's and carry the team to these new heights. They're not really the type of program that puts together a well-rounded unit that just goes and rolls over people. So, so it's not too surprising for me to find them in this position. They've been here as recently as 2010. Um, that, you know, that was a Big East team, but the defense was phenomenal. It was Geno's um, sophomore year. They just couldn't get anything rolling on the offense. So this is nothing new to Mountaineer fans. 
they are getting frustrated. Dana is on the hot seat. Uh, to me, I don't think it's time for a change. I am a, a believer in Dana Holgerson, but uh, people are getting upset. And, yes, it, it hasn't been Mountaineer standard. The, the, the move to the Big 12 hasn't gone great. But, frankly, I'm not sure where people expect the Mountaineers to be most years in the Big 12. I mean, if we're being realistic, they probably, the Mountaineers are probably middle of the pack, lower middle of the pack Big 12 team every year. You know, I expect them to have a, uh, to make a run once a decade or so, twice a decade, you know, to, to get something to click. But most years, this is where you'll find the Mountaineers, I think. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'll tell you what, I, I said this, uh, you know, several years ago when y'all first joined, uh, and, and I admitted that I, I, I was on record on the podcast, I kind of said, I don't know if, if West Virginia is a good fit geographically or, or whatever, but after I made the uh, after I made the trip up to to Morgantown and we played all up there, um, you know, year before last, uh, and met so many great people, um, you know, met you know great fans. Uh, me and my group had such a great time. I came back the very next Wednesday and and it was very clear that I I like I, I love the passion. Um, I saw up there, and, and, and I love the fans, and I'm I'm actually glad that West Virginia uh, is is in the um, Big 12. And you know, I, I'm I'm not a big. You can ask my co-host. I am not a Big 12 raw uh, raw raw guy. <laughs> I, I could care less if anybody in the. I hope, as a matter of fact, my stance is I hope somebody does get left out in the Big 12 this year. That's <laughs> horrible because. Because, I mean, I, I want Texas to be in the playoffs. Now, if West Virginia right. goes to the playoffs or Baylor goes to the playoffs, that's great for them. But I'm not going to be on Twitter rooting for a team that I, I play. I just, think that's, I, I just think that's stupid. It's just, you know, of course, it is what it is. So, but is, I, right. I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, not how you I think, Yeah. I, but I am, I am a fan of West Virginia, and I'm glad they're in the Big 12 because, I mean, when we went up there, the fans were passionate. The, the atmosphere was great. I mean, and that's what we need because there there are some fan bases in the Big Twelve that that you know that are not as excited uh, about football. So we we needed some passion in here. Well, let me ask I, you about I, this game in particular. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say I just I couldn't agree I, I couldn't agree more. I and that's what I said earlier when I when I leading off. I I really think West Virginia has, has maximized. I mean their their potential. I mean you look at this this tiny. State, you know, like I said, 1.8 million people nestled away in the mountains of Morgantown, West Virginia. No real reason for West Virginia to be the the program that it is, or have the or, or have the brand that it has. But it's just it's a football hungry place. You know, it it, it yeah. just it breeds football passion. I'm not an, a natural mountaineer. I wasn't born in West Virginia. I've never lived in West Virginia. I uh, was eight years old when I started making trips down to watch Major Harris and. It is an unbelievable place to enjoy a football Saturday. So, yeah, we're on the same page there. West Virginia, Morgantown itself is, is wonderful. Hey, I've never had more fun in, in the blue lot than I've ever had anywhere. I can't see that. Yeah. yeah, there is fun to be found in the blue lot. If you're looking for it, you will yeah, certainly I mean, find I, it. I, yeah. And, I, and I, I found quite a bit of it with the apple-flavored drinks, the watermelon-flavored <laughs> drinks. So, so I can assure you, I, 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 I've enjoyed Morgantown to the fullest. But let's talk about this game. Um, obviously, my Texas Longhorns are, are, are just a, uh, a you-know-what show. We are not a good football team. Um, Charlie Strong's in his second year. Obviously, he's on the hot, on the hot seat. People are calling yep. for him to be fired. Um, people that know the program know that Matt Brown did not leave it in good, good shape. I think two years is too quick to fire Charlie Brown. I think 2016 is going to determine – um, Strong's tenure, but I mean, looking, looking. At, I don't know if you've seen any of our games, but based on I what have. you see from us, how do you think West Virginia is going to attack this Longhorn football team? Well, the Mountaineers are kind of in the same position that the Longhorns are. Teams searching for identity, and a lot of times when you're when you find yourself doing that, you kind of have to get back to basics, uh, and that's what the Mountaineers have done. Uh, they are becoming a real, and you know, to steal Dana's words. Uh, a ground and pound offense. They they completed 12 passes last week and won. Um, zero touchdown passes, completion percentage around 50%, just no reliance whatsoever on the passing game. Um, their leading receiver, five catches, 80 yards, is a, a, a Karan White. This is the first time he saw any extended action. So even all the wide receivers that you heard about the Mountaineers having coming into the season, they have gone by the wayside because of the total lack of a passing game. So you're going to see – Russell Shell, Wendell Smallwood, and Skylar Howard in the run game 
30, 40, 50 running plays on Saturday, and they'll try and, and just old school running and defense, keep the game close going into the fourth quarter, keep control of the game, you know, win based on, you know, feeling as though they're the better team and being at home. Yeah, that's going to be real interesting with, you know, I've seen a couple of West Virginia games and, uh, you know, the, the defense, y'all's defense still struggles at times, giving up big plays here and there. But I, what I've noticed is they're, they're definitely more aggressive. They're, they're swarming to the ball um, more often. Um, I mean, they're, they're definitely improved. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think it's pretty easy to, to with our offense. I mean, I think our running game can be pretty solid when it gets going. But, I mean, you just have to stop our run and, and force Gerard Hurd to throw the ball. And, obviously, that's not the best part of his game yet. Um, you yeah. know, so, I, I I mean, I just don't – I really – this is a game that I've really uh, – I've had a pulse on every game this year. This is one I really don't have a pulse on. I mean, we could lose by 40 or win by, win by one. I just really don't know. Yeah, and what does that tell you? It tells you you got two bad teams meeting on Saturday, right? Yeah. And that's really – that's really where both of these both of these these schools are. I would like to think that the mental health is a little better on the Mountaineer side. Feeling good about the victory they just had. It was nice to see them play with such aggressiveness after such a, a disastrous October. You know, and I got to give full credit to Dana for that. The team came ready to play, and that's tough to do after four straight blows to the ego of young men. You know what I mean? These, you know, the, it wouldn't be a, wouldn't have been surprising if they quit, but they didn't quit. They played very physically on Saturday, and they um, and they had a nice game against Texas Tech. So, again, I think the mental health side is probably on a Mountaineer advantage. But in terms of scheme, execution, talent of players, I mean, it's all a mismatch Mismatch all, for both teams. You just don't know who's going to show up. There, I agree with you about the West Virginia defense. It is the strength of the team this year. And it's a modern defense. They give up yards and points. You know, you know I don't think there's any defense that really shuts anybody down. Especially, you know, they talk about the SEC defenses, but an SEC defense doesn't see a quarterback but once a year. So, you, you know, in the Big 12, you're seeing these high-powered offenses. You're going to give up yards and points. But the Mountaineers have, like you said, they are aggressive. So, they, you know, they, they get off the field on third down and they force turnovers. Now, Texas – your Longhorns, they can avoid the turnovers because they play so conservatively. So you just – every way you look at it, it could go either way, and that's because you have two teams lacking any kind of identity. Neither one of them is guaranteed to be able to do something. You know, it's not like the Mountaineers are definitely all of a sudden this running team that you just can't stop or that Texas has their run game figured out. Who knows? Who knows what's going to sh- what, what, who's going to show up Saturday? I think the Mountaineers are ready and I think a win is really important. I think they still have a chance at a successful season. So I, I just I, I think the uh, the intangible stuff really falls on the side of the Mountaineers, and that's why I, I expect them to to win on Saturday. Yeah, here's a here's a positive stat uh, for West Virginia fans in three uh, three true road games, not counting the um, the OU game at the neutral site at the Cotton Bowl. Um, the Texas offense has scored a combined 13 points in those three um, true road games. So we. <laughs> Obviously, we have not. I mean, we, I mean, we scored seven. That's at not Notre very Dame. many points. No, seven at Notre Dame, <laughs> seven at um, you know, or you know, a few points at TCU, and then obviously right. the, the shutout, you know, shutout at um, um, at Iowa State. So we are not a good road team, and I think that's just a, a reflection of, of playing twenty two, twenty three, twenty four freshmen um, every yeah, week. Yeah, you know. Well, let me shift. You, you, go ahead. I was going to say what you said earlier about Mac Brown. It was very reminiscent of when Don Nealon left and, tra- and transitioned to Rich Rodriguez in Morgantown. You know, Don Nealon is, you know, he is a football god in West Virginia and deservedly so. But by the end of his career, it was really the end, and there was there was not a lot there. Rich Rod went three and eight in 2003. You know, thankfully people didn't give up on him then. But yeah, sometimes these guys that run these programs for years and years. By the time it's the end, things have really dried up, and it, it sound, that just sounds like a familiar circumstance to me. But go on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Mac Brown at, at the peak was, you know, um, you know, what, uh, one of the greatest coaches, you know, of all time Without a doubt. in Texas. Without a doubt. And, and I mean, and then you know, and then based on about an eight-yard, an eight-year run there, uh, you know, had he won another national championship, he would be in the conversation of one of the one of the top four or five best ever. And, and, and all of college football. But again, with that said, as great as it was the last four years of his tenure, uh, for what for a myriad of reasons that we've beat to death. I mean, he didn't recruit well. He just he got you know right. he just it, it probably what it, it was a disaster. Yeah. I mean, it really yeah, was strong. Yep. And, and obviously, 
I, I'm no I'm no strong apologist. I mean, Strong has made some mistakes, but I mean, it is definitely not all his fault. But let's shift gears for a second. Right. I want your take uh, on the Big Twelve where we're at. Obviously, TCU went down last week. The, the, the injuries to the defensive side of the ball finally caught up with them. Uh, uh, Oklahoma State just keeps winning. I'm not sold on them because I was at our game. We played them. We basically handed them the game in the last three minutes. But they just keep winning. Uh, Baylor, obviously, without their quarterback, I, even though they won last week, I saw some things with them that I think it's going to cost them a game. So I really, at this point, don't see anybody in the Big 12 going undefeated. Uh, maybe you do. What are your thoughts? No, we're on the same page, and it's so funny what you said about Texas, Oklahoma State. Mountaineers had the exact same uh, situation with uh, with the Cowboys. Took them to overtime at home. It was a disastrous game. Uh, Skylar Howard booted home, down 17-2 at halftime. But uh, the Oklahoma State team I saw was not a good team. I saw them switching quarterbacks every other play, trying to figure out how to gain yards on offense. Now, Mason Rudolph has improved um, a little bit, but – uh, I was not impressed by Oklahoma State, so we're on the same page there. Of all the teams that I've seen, the Mountaineers played all the big boys, uh, Oklahoma was the best team uh, that I saw. I, in terms of the quality of their season so far, with the only loss being to Texas, you know, I, I wish that oh, oh, some – Hold on, hold on. Hold on. What, say that again. <laughs> it sounded real good. Say that again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma's only loss of the season being to the story that Texas Longhorns yeah. – um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I wish that someone would say out loud what, what, what I hope they're thinking in the room, which is these rivalry games are not indicative of of, of the larger uh, quality of a team. I mean, you know, that, you know, you know, there's just you know, Oklahoma could go undefeated and lose to Texas any year, and vice versa. You know, those those mm-hmm. games are, are those games are things that have to be separated from the rest of the season. So exactly with what you said, Baylor with the loss of the quarterback, that's concerning to me. Um, TCU, we saw what TCU is, uh, and Oklahoma State, even though they're rolling, I'm just simply not impressed. So I, I, I have Oklahoma winning the Big 12, but with, but with that one loss and with the, the way people seem to feel about the Big 12 in, in the Costable Playoff Committee, no surprise with, you know, with old school football guys, Tom Osborne and, and Barry Alvarez on the committee. But point is, and I, I do think you have one loss, Oklahoma winning the Big 12 in the end. Yeah, I, I think that's a real possibility. The next three weeks are going to be um, good. Matt, go ahead and jump in if you got anything before we let Jeff go. Uh, no, I think uh, those are great uh, great comments about the Big 12. I agree 100%. Um, you know, it's interesting um, if that goes down that road about Oklahoma. You know, we heard Stanford get an excuse that their body clocks weren't ready for an 11 a.m. Central kickoff. <laughs> oh, uh, nice. I mean, if you're going to use that excuse and open up that can of worms, then you really do – have a legitimate excuse to start talking about rivalry games and how they're, you know, like you said, they kind of maybe put a st- asterisk next to those. Um, but to right, me, yeah, with Oklahoma, yeah. if, if Oklahoma, I mean, to me, they they woke up from that game. You know, they obviously, we did win, but they didn't play their best or what they're capable of for whatever reason. Um, but if they continue to really be, they look like a powerhouse since that game, I think they're going to have to win on style points with that loss being to Texas. You know, if they lost this to Baylor or to Oklahoma State or TCU, one of the other top four teams, maybe you can get by it and just say, you know, we, it's just too hard to run the table in this conference. When you lose to a, what's going to end up being a bottom half team, you know, now you got to make up for it by beating the tar out of everybody else. Yeah, I agree completely. Well, Jeff, uh, before we let you go, uh, tell our listeners if you're on Twitter where they can find you or if you've got any um, stories you're writing at Blue Gold Sports where they can find you and all that good stuff. And then also, uh, before you do that, go ahead and give us a score prediction. All right, give me the Mountaineers 31-14. I think they're going to cover that eight points pretty comfortably. Um, I don't think the Mountaineers are good enough to go on the road and beat anybody, and I don't think Texas is good enough to go on the road and beat anybody. And luckily it's an uh, odd number year, which means the Longhorns are coming to Morgantown. So give me the Mountaineers to win at home. Uh, my Twitter, at jpostusbgs, that's P-O-S-T-U-S, jpostusbgs. And uh, we got our own show Thursday uh, on ESPN 102.3, the Ticket FM, and it can be found online at theticket102.com. And uh, once the show is done, we tweet out a SoundCloud link for everybody to, to take a listen. So it would be great if uh, people check it out, let me know what they think. And, guys, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Absolutely. Um, yeah, um, tell Jeremy and the guys over there I said hi. I'll come over and post something tomorrow, something on the board. Uh, 
And uh, tell all the Mountaineer people to be listening. We've got a special tribute to our friend Jerry at the end of the show. But, Jeff, thanks a lot again. We appreciate it. Guys, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. All right. Thank you, sir. Later on. All right. All right. Jeff Huskus from BlueGoldSports.com. And, man, our streak continues with having um, great guests on. Um, Awesome. Um, Awesome job, Jeff. Thanks again, Jeremy, at BlueGoldSports.com. Um, you know, if you want to read some good Mountaineer um, stuff for all you Mountaineer fans, listen, go over there and check them out. Jeremy and them do a great job at the site. Follow them on Twitter. Um, you know, they've got great recruiting information. Uh, like I said, it's just a great Mountaineer site, and I go over there and post um, ever so often. So, again, Jeff, um, thanks a lot. As I was saying that before you got bumped again, is uh, our streak continues for awesome gifts. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, you know, it's we were talking about, or I mentioned before uh, Jeff came on, that I, I enjoyed the Mountaineers when we first started talking with them because, uh, you know, they're very passionate and they're they're just a lot of fun. I mean, th- those guys are always folks that I could sit around and talk football with for hours. You know, all of our, all, our, uh, our guests are good, but, you know, some of them are a little more serious than others. Uh, West Virginia fans seem to be serious about their analysis, but they do it kind of, uh, with a little bit of fun to it, which is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, let me jump into a few UT uh, updates, other sports, men's basketball. Um, Jacob Young, the um, guard from Yates um, High School, signed his letter of intent today. And then James Banks also signed. Uh, so two awesome additions to the Shaka Smart squad. Um, they'll be finishing up their senior years in high school, and then we'll have them on campus next year. Um, a couple other names to to keep a keep a close look on um, is we're still in the running for the five star kid Jared Allen. A um, lot of reports coming out this way that it's slowly starting to to tilt in the Longhorns' favor, but I mean he's not going to sign until the spring signing period, which is around April 13th. And then we're also still in it for Andrew Jones, the um, guard from Irving MacArthur. So. Uh, you know, I don't know if we'll get both those guys. We may get both of them, but those are the two main targets left for um, for Smart in the 2016 class. Jared Allen is a must-get. Um, he's a big-time player, um, five-star athlete. Um, on, on, you know, the positive and negative, he's probably a one-and-done kid. You never know. They may decide to come back. You just don't know how that's going to develop. But, you know, that's the nature of the beast. So get him on campus for one year and, and, and you know, and get, get what you – get what you can um, out of them. So, um, you know, that's just the way basketball is. Well, and I definitely want to – I do want to put that on the uh, on the topic for one night once football season gets over um, us, and I'm going to try to get some different guests on that cover basketball. And I think that's a good conversation to have. Um, have we ruined college basketball with the one and done, or is it really – I mean, is it about – I mean, if the kids want to do it, should we change the rules, like maybe baseball? If they come on campus, they've got to stay two years. Uh, I've got lots of thoughts on it, and I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm usually not wishy-washy on a subject, but that one I'm afraid I am. I mean, it's, why do you want to hold a kid back from making millions? I mean, it, you know, if I had a – it'd be like one of us winning the, the Super Bowl tomorrow for $50 million, and then we take that ticket and put it in our back pocket, and we walk around with it for a year. Well, nobody's going to do that. We're going to go cash the thing tomorrow, and that's what the kids are doing. But is it good for college sports? So we have to start measuring what's good for the, the whole versus what's good for the individual. So I think that's an interesting conversation I've been wanting to have on the Orange Report. So I, I, we're definitely going to do that when we get into basketball season. But I don't want to draw that out, but what are your kind of quick thoughts on, 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 the, on the whole process of the one and done with college basketball, Matt? Yeah, I think the main thing about baseball is, you know, there's a mi- huge minor league for guys to go to. And so the yeah. decision is, you know, do you want to cut your teeth in the pros and ride the bus, you know, to whatever, Podunk, South Carolina for, you know, two years, or do you want to spend it in college? I would say, you know, with the NBA developing that, you know, the developmental league, um, you know, and that seems to be growing. Maybe it's in that, maybe we're almost there, you know, where, hey, if you want to just get the, skip and go straight in great and if you go to college you need to go at least two or three years um you know I, I think i think consistency is the way to go i don't understand what you really get by making somebody go to college for one year yeah after two years you're going to know really well that whether you're kind of ready or not 
one year, I mean, you're still a pure potential guy. I mean, you haven't really proven anything, even if you've done really well in college in the first year. It's just like our boy Miles Turner. I mean, he he showed flashes. Uh, I would say that he wasn't an elite-level college player, but he got drafted like one because of potential. Now, if he stays two or three years, that guy dominates by his junior year. Um, but is that fair to the player? I mean, I'm with you. you. You've got that potential to start drawing a salary, and someone's willing to pay that salary. Uh, why not just take to the market and go get that money? Yeah, it's a, it really is a, a tough deal. Well, let me give another uh, recruiting, uh, football recruiting update. Um, before After we were on last week, um, we had a, a very nice commit, Malcolm Roach, defensive tackle, uh, well, defensive end, really, out of Madison Preparatory Academy um, in Louisiana. His dad is actually the head football coach there. His dad's been in coaching um, for about 25 years, so this is a coach's son. He's a perennial three-star defensive end. He's probably about six three and a half or so, about 240, 250. Um, I've watched this kid's huddle film. Um, Again, you know, we don't want to get caught up in the star rankings, but um, I think this kid is a really, really good player. You can definitely see um, the the soundness of his game, obviously being a a coach's son, um, runs about a 4-9-40, a really big pickup. The offer just went out last week, and um, obviously he he jumped all over. You know, he had a connection with Strong, his dad, obviously being a coach. And, you know, what's interesting about this, uh, you know, has strong, we talked about it, has strong, you know, obviously made some mistakes. Um, but, I mean, you have a guy here that's a, a highly respected high, full, um, high school football coach in Louisiana, been very successful. Uh, the, the, the school that this, his dad um, teaches and coaches at has put many players uh, in various Division I um, colleges. We offer, um, they come in, meet with strong, and, you know, a few days later they commit. So, what I'm saying is, is when you have guys that are in the profession that that, that know football too, uh, and, and they're sending their own son to play for Coach Strong, uh, maybe us as fans should be a little bit more patient. Maybe they know more than us, and our emotion uh, emotions get caught up in it. And when I say this, I'm not just speaking to our listeners; I'm speaking to myself as well. And that was a big telltale sign uh, again for me, Matt. I don't know if Strong's going to work out. I don't know if it's a good fit. I mean, man, it's just hard, even though it's just not looking good right now. We have to hope that there's a plan in place and that we're going to start seeing some improvement uh, because, again, when you see a high school coach as respected as this, then his own son, this kid could go anywhere. Go look at his offer list. He decides to send his son to play for Coach Strong. I think that's, that, that tells us a lot about what other coaches and people tell, um, like about Coach Strong. Yeah, um, you know, another thing, too, is there's – I think the whole key to this season is, you know, are you seeing something build, even if it doesn't build on the on the wins and losses? I think, you know, our West Virginia guest brought up the great story of Rich Rodriguez. I mean, you, you look at a lot of these guys' first two years, it looks pretty ugly. Now, yeah. to be fair, there's other ones where it never gets better. But I think you can start to see the signs around this time when it's, when it doesn't get better because – there's a stagnation to the recruiting. Uh, there's, you know, discord among the fans. You know, of course, Texas, there's going to be a part of Texas fans that are going to be angry no matter what the hell happens. I mean, we had people frustrated with Mac Brown up till, you know, halfway through 2004 <laughs> ready to fire him. And the year later, yeah. we held up a trophy. So I, I, I focus more on, you know, what is happening with the recruiting. That's why I really, I think we talked about it before, but this next recruiting class is huge because if it, peters out and looks, you know, and a whole bunch of nothing, that's a huge danger sign because I do think the players, we've talked about this before too, the players are more savvy. They know what's going on. They know, they talk to the guys. This is not just a blind selection they're making. And if he's able to continue to recruit despite two years of, you know, being at or below 500, to me that shows that, hey, the players see something that maybe the fans don't see yet. And that's the, the beginning of progress. And, and hopefully in 2016, you start to see that progress uh, in the wins and losses. Yeah, and, and, and some more positive news. Uh, I, I think we're, you know, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that, that Okafer, um, the big offensive tackle uh, of the Fort Worth area, Dallas area, is about to um, pull the trigger and commit. So uh, I would stay tuned to Twitter. 
I think that'll go down this weekend or early next week. It could happen in 10 minutes. Um, I think the writing's on the wall there. Now on bad recruiting news, um, as everybody saw the other night, Dixon, um, who has decommitted and committed to several programs, um, he decommitted from us and went back to Baylor. Um, he's a pretty pretty highly sought-out wide receiver. Uh, you know, yes, you don't ever want to lose a kid, um, uh, but I can tell you it, it, we're in pretty good shape at receiver, even with what's coming back and what's coming in if the kids that we currently have stick, which I think they will, Colin Johnson and uh, Reggie Hempfield, Matt. Um, and I think, I think we've got some other top guys on the board now that can come in and take that third um, wide receiver spot in the recruiting class. But, you know, Dixon is, 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 is a player that we would have loved to have had, but, I mean, you can't blame him. We're not throwing the ball very well. Unfortunately, he couldn't, he couldn't see the vision from a year or two when Bichelle's the quarterback. I mean, Baylor's throwing it all over the place. But, ironically, uh, what you need about Dixon is he, he's a guy that has great hands, great body control. He only runs about a four seven, four eight forty. So he's not going to run away from many defensive backs in the Big Twelve. He's more of a guy that you can throw the ball up, and he's going to he's going to catch anything that's thrown to him. So ironically, as bad as our offense looks, he's more suited for a Texas style passing game than a Baylor. But he's looking at the numbers and what Dotson is doing and the receivers. So it's going to be real interesting to watch him if he does stick with Baylor um, to watch his um, progression there and see if he really has the career because he just does not have the speed to run away from most defensive backs. Great receiver is just, just not his game. He's, you know, so it's just going to be interesting to watch what happens there. Well, let me give these, uh, talk about the women's basketball team for about three or four minutes. Cause that's what I, I, I got to give um, coach Austin props. She signed the number two player in the whole country, Joyner Holmes out of Cedar Hill signed the number six player in the whole country, a point guard out of St. Louis, Alicia Sutton, signed another highly related, uh, highly rated um, young lady, Jada Underwood from Mesquite. I don't have her rating in front of me, but she was a national rated person. And then she also signed Audrey Ann Grudeau, uh, the nation's number one junior college power forward. And actually her sister plays for the Longhorns already. So, um, the nation's number one junior college forward, the number two and number six high school ranked player. Um, man, Karen Austin is killing it. Now, yes, with that said, Baylor actually signed the number one player in the entire country um, this year. Um, but if you look, um, Texas, the last two or three years in, in uh, women's basketball recruiting, Karen Austin is building something special. Last year she had three starters go down with injuries, so – um, I think I think this year they're going to make a pretty good run into the tournament. Um, are they right there, right there at that elite level where they can compete with Connecticut? Yet yeah, no, but I mean I was surprised. Connecticut. I looked at the uh, the final rankings today. Connecticut's class was only about 14 or 15. Um, Baylor had the number one class. I think we were at number three. I think so. Um, she she's just doing an outstanding job and really is getting this thing turned around. So. Uh, I know a lot of people are not a fan of women's basketball. It, it can be tough to watch at times. Uh, but, you know, when you watch Connecticut, a Baylor, or even the Longhorns basketball team, when you've got two good teams out there, it, it's pretty good to watch. I know it's not for everybody, but, you know, this is the Orange Report. And women's basketball, we're burnt orange, so I felt like we needed to give the, the women an update. And so that's what we did. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And obviously you're going to get to see a lot of games on um, – on the Longhorn Network uh, with, with basketball and obviously men's basketball as well. Uh, baseball signed five or six guys. I was running behind, so I was lazy. I didn't pull their list. But if you go to TexasSports.com, I'm sure they've got all the baseball signees on there. Um, they've got the basketball, uh, both basketball signees. So I'm sure um, they're up as well. Um, so um, Augie, Augie just continues to kill it on the on the recruiting trail. Him and Skip continue to kill it. Um, and I'm actually looking forward. I've talked to a few people about baseball who are, you know, into it year-round, kind of like we are football. And I think for the first time in several years, Matt, I'm hearing some things that they think this could has the potential to be one of those special Longhorn baseball teams. Obviously, it's all got to play out. But I have not, we have, I have not heard that, or it hasn't been said in several years. So that's at least a positive that the talent level is back up in the baseball program. And again another outstanding recruiting class um, by the baseball coaches. They just continue to bring in 
talent after talent after talent, and some outstanding pitchers uh, again. So it's just unbelievable, actually. Yeah, I I just hope we can get some hitting. <laughs> I we, we I, I think you're right that we've we haven't heard anything about a complete team in a while. We've always heard people excited about the pitching, and then I think you know it's a warning sign that we never really pay attention to. But people are like, oh, if we can just figure out the bat. Well, I mean that's not the way to win. I mean what you need to do is you need to have guys that are just as uh, dangerous with the stick as the guys that are standing on the mound. So hopefully uh, some of these guys that they're recruiting in can. Uh, put a little something on the ball because uh, some of those games have just been brutal to watch, man. I, I'd love to see us uh, put up five at least regularly instead of losing uh, four to one when once you give up three runs, you know it's over. Yeah. Well, all right, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into our top four. Obviously, the, the, the committee had their top four. We've been doing it every week. Um, um, I'll go ahead and start. This is no particular order. It doesn't really matter at this point, but obviously I'm going to go with Clemson in there. Um, they just keep winning. Um, again, I, by default, I've still got Ohio State in there um, just because um, until they lose, uh, I can't leave uh, Ohio State out. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put um, Baylor in my top four um, just because they're undefeated. Uh, I don't like their out-of-conference schedule. I don't like that they um, that they have a backup quarterback, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave them in there for now until they look just horribly bad or until they lose. Uh, and then I'm gonna go ahead and put um, one loss Alabama as the final top four for me. But I, I'm telling you, I, I'm not gonna be surprised if Bama drops another one. Then it's gonna get real interesting. Will the SEC get left out, or will they let a two-loss team come in? Um, the Pac-12, um, the Pac is done. I know a lot of people are touting um, Stanford that they could still get there if they went out. Notre Dame is still in the in the equation. Um, I've got Notre Dame as my first team out right now, but I just have a feeling they may lose again. Maybe I'm wrong. It's going to get real fun the next couple of weeks, but that's my top four, Matt. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to take a different approach this week and just uh, look at nothing else but my own eyeballs and what I've seen this year and okay. the teams that I've seen that are the, that have played the best football. Now it doesn't mean best uh, consistently or anything like that. Just at one, at some point when I watched these teams, I thought this is one of the four best teams in the country. And this is where it's getting, I'm, I'll make my point here in a second. So uh, number one, I would have Ohio state. Number two, I would have Baylor. Number three, I would have Notre Dame. And number four, I know this is a cop-out, and you'll, you'll make me put somebody in there, but really right now number four would be question mark because I don't believe in Alabama. I don't believe in Clemson. I don't believe uh-huh. in Stanford. I sure as hell don't believe in Florida. Uh, you know, I start getting to a point where I'm running out of teams to put in there. So I know right now everybody's worried about uh, – you know, what do we do about the, you know, the Big 12 and the Big 12 going to get left out and blah, blah, blah. But if Oklahoma keeps playing the way they're playing towards after the Texas game, they're the ones that, in my opinion, I know there's a, not a lot of way that you can get two Big 12 teams in there, but just my top four, Oklahoma has, to me, just as much case to number four as uh, any of these other teams. So I think if you put a gun to my head and said pick one, just to hedge my bets, I'd put Clemson just because they obviously have – a couple of quality wins and, and they've, uh, you know, they've taken care of business so far, but they're just, I don't know if it's history or I don't know if it's, uh, you know, some um, prejudice against Clemson, but I still don't feel like they've shown me in a game where they're like, holy crap, these guys could get into a 14 playoff and pull in Ohio state and just wipe the floor with the, with the two teams on their, on their schedule in the final four. So I, I am with you. It's going to get really interesting um, I'm really concerned just because it really does feel like the committee picks the four teams and then figures out how are we going to explain it instead of the other way around. Um, it's just a bizarre deal. Like that, I brought up the Stanford body clock thing earlier. To me, that is absolutely ridiculous. I that mean, if you're going to actually not penalty, penalize someone because of that, then where do you go from there? Do you penalize a team less because it was raining one day or because the weather was too hot? or, you know, the food that they got served in the hotel wasn't good enough for the game. I mean, this it's completely ridiculous. I think, um, you know, the real cynic in me says they just are setting up these matchups uh, 
you know, so that they're conveniently on ABC and ESPN and they have some, you know, uh, immediate playoff impatience and they want to keep Stanford hanging around long enough so they can get eyeballs watching that Notre Dame-Stanford game at the end of the year. But, um, and yeah, Stanford's a good team, and I don't think you need to make excuses for them. The fact that they did make an excuse really makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I think every one of those are extremely valid points. Uh, the best thing about it, we're going to get to see the next two or three weeks, and it's going to be fun. Let's jump into our picks. Uh, we've got a handful of games we're going to look at. The first one we're going to go out go out west, um, the Pirate at the Fighting Boroughs. Um, UCLA is a ten-and-a-half point favorite, Washington State. Um, you got to give the Pirate um, some credit. I mean, tough, tough, close loss to – um, to Stanford, but I mean overall they, they're having a pretty successful season. But I, I, I don't think they're a good road team yet. Uh, I think UCLA will pull it out. I'm going to say UCLA 45, Washington State 38. Um, I think those are all great points, and I agree with them. I'll say UCLA 40, Washington State 27. Next one I want to look at is a is gonna is definitely has um, final four implications. Alabama at Mississippi State. Uh, Alabama has been an up and down road. I, I think the points you made about them, I'm not sold on their quarterback. I think he has the potential to to uh, to lose a game. Um, Alabama obviously has one of the, the, the best front sevens in the country. Um, they have Kiffin, an offensive coordinator, which I think can 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 blunder. I think Mississippi State's going to be fired up for this game, so this is going to be my upset special. It's going oh, to oh boy, going to throw the um, the college football playoff in the turmoil. Uh, I think Mississippi State gets the win. The cowbells will be ringing. Mississippi State twenty seven, Alabama twenty four. Bill Go as time expires, Jack Prescott puts his name in Mississippi State folklore for the rest of his life. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I'll agree with is uh, Alabama, you know, they famously lost to A&M after the LSU game one year, the week after, and that was at home. Uh, I think both these teams put everything into that game, and it's hard to bounce back, especially when they're going on the road. So if there is going to be a shocker, I think that's a great place to pick it. Um, but I'm, I don't have the gut. I'm going to yeah. say Alabama, Alabama 31, Mississippi State 20. All right, Arkansas at LSU. Um, Arkansas won uh, in about the craziest damn fashion I think I've ever seen other than some of the other <laughs> crazy things we've seen the last. Fourth and 25 and throw it across the field and pick it up and win. Um, LSU is probably not real happy. I mean, they've only got one loss. They're looking at this thing. Hey, our, we're still in the, We're still in it too. Um, they're going to be upset down there in Baton Rouge. They're going to be. They're going to be ready for Arkansas. I think they manhandle Arkansas. I'm going LSU 37, Arkansas 10. I'll say real quick that uh, Arkansas Ole Miss finish, which was aired live at our tailgate, had one of the biggest reactions I've ever heard at the tailgate. Uh, I was standing away from the TV, and I thought a fight broke out over by the TV because of the way everybody just went nuts at the same time. I'm like, wait. I looked up and saw everybody was crowded around the TV, and I knew something big just just happened. Um, I think it's hard for both these teams. I mean, I wouldn't gamble on this one because how do either of these teams bounce back? But I'm, I'm leaning towards your direction. I think LSU will get back to business. Uh, they'll be able to run for net, and uh, they'll win, let's say, 31 to 16. And, of course, the reason LSU lost is we had them in our, our top four, I believe, last week, so they were the kiss of death. So every week there's a kiss of death team, so you may not want to be in our top four. Next one we'll get to pick up the pace, Georgia. Georgia at Auburn. Uh, Auburn had an out Standing win last week. I don't remember who they were playing, um, but it was just really exciting football game, 26 to 10. Um, just you know, just a beautiful, dominating fashion. So uh, I do think Auburn is improving. Georgia is just a disaster. The defensive coordinator is about to get fired. Right, they're they're on him. Um, injuries. Um, they're playing at Auburn. I think they are getting a little better. I'm going to go with Auburn. I'm going to say Auburn wins. 31-17. What's the spread on this? One and a half, Auburn. 
one and a half. Oh crap. Uh yeah. Give me Auburn thirty four to thirty. Oklahoma at Baylor. Two and a half point spread for Baylor. Uh Matt has gotten real high on Baylor on Oklahoma, so we'll see what his pick is. Um uh, they're playing at Waco. Uh, I think Oklahoma, if I remember right, had a disaster of a game against Baylor last year. They came in there and mopped the floor. Oklahoma has played great football. Uh, Stidham, even though he showed some some impressive stuff at K-State, I saw some things that he missed last week that if if, um, their normal quarterback would have been playing, uh, they probably pull away from K-State. So I think he's still learning on the fly. I think Oklahoma's going to expose him some. I, like, I think Oklahoma's going to be able to run the ball. It's, um, it's, it's like K-State showed. So my upset pick of the week, and I don't really think it's an upset, but I'm going with Boomer Sooner, 38-34 Sooners. This is one where the line actually changed my opinion because I thought it would open at, like, I think I said six and a half, something like that. I think yeah. it opened at three and, three and a half, and now it's down to two, two and a half. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, actually, it opened. It actually opened at seven. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So it I, it opened kind of like I thought. I just didn't think it would get bet down, uh, this much. And it makes me wonder. I mean, I can kind of see it. It's a bigger name. You know, Oklahoma is always going to get a little bit of uh, benefit from being the bigger program. And I'm sure there's some fear about the Baylor quarterback. But to me, the thing is. As much as Oklahoma has looked good, and I know I'm going to backtrack a little bit from my earlier comments, you know, they looked awful against Texas, their offensive line and their defensive line both. Then they played, what, Kansas State. That Well, we saw what their lines are like. Iowa State, we saw what their lines are like. Uh, who, Texas Tech. We haven't played them yet, but I'm willing to bet their lines aren't much of anything. Baylor's got power on both sides. So, to me, if Oklahoma beats Baylor and can – step up and you can really point back to the Texas game and say something was just not right that day. You know, if they get pushed around by Baylor, then you can say, well, Oklahoma was kind of a fraud because the two times they played anybody that was a little bit angry up front, they got beat. Um, I, man, this is a really tough one. I, like I said, I thought Baylor would probably win by about a touchdown, but that, that line being so close, I'm going to say, Oh, you finds a way to steal it. And I think it does come down to the, a uh, lot of pressure on that kid, man. And he's a good quarterback, but, I just don't see him making the plays against Oklahoma. So give me, uh, <laughs> give me uh, fifty-one to forty-seven, Oklahoma. All righty, and the final pick of the night is obviously our Longhorns traveling to Morgantown against West Virginia. We've scored thirteen points in three road games. Obviously, we lose this week. Bowl is not a possibility. As a matter of fact, a losing record is a possibility. Um, I think I think the kids are going to be more prepared. I said I was not going to pick us to win another road game this year until we won one. Well, I'm an idiot. I am going to pick us to win. Uh, I think we're going to be able to come out and run the ball. I think our I think the difference in the game, if we win the game, you're going to be able to point to one thing. Is one is who has turnovers. I don't think we're going to commit any turnovers, and I think our defensive line is going to dominate. Uh, now, if that, those things don't happen, we will lose. But, I, but So, if we win, remember that I said the defensive line dominated, was able to get pressure. So, I'm going to say Texas, Thank you. 30, West Virginia, 27. Wow. Um, if Texas, Texas has to make a huge improvement in their performance on the road just to be competitive, uh, after the last trip to Ames, um, I think they're going to play better. But until I see, I mean, historically bad performances three in a row on the road, especially on offense, uh, I just can't pick it. But I do think Texas will answer the bell at the start for once, which will be a minor victory. <laughs> uh, I think the third quarter will come back to get us again, which is that thing Strong's absolutely got to figure out how to get fixed. So sad to say, I'm going to say West Virginia 34, Texas 17. Well, yeah, I think that's what Jeff picked as well. I mean, I've wanted to pick against us, but I just, man, I just think this team's got it. Needs a signature grow-up win, even though West Virginia is not a great team. 
Um, it is on the road. It is a hostile environment. And, you know, for this team to take the next step, we need this to happen. And so I'm thinking I'm thinking they've gone into the bunkers um, like we did against OU, and I think Strong is going to have them ready to play. We'll see. Well, Matt. Well, and Mike, Mike one list. thing. One, yeah, go ahead. Just one thing real quick. I mean, it really, I, this is going to sound really disrespectful to West Virginia, but the, the truth is what it is, and the results are what they are. If there's any team that's going to give one away to a team like Texas, it's West Virginia. So, I mean, I'd much rather be playing West Virginia than uh, any of the big boys or even, you know, hell, Iowa State again. <laughs> I mean, they're, this is a team that's prone to give away games like this. And so if they if they roll out there and start farting around, it's up to Texas to steal this game. Well, yeah, and even – even our even our guest said that this I mean it's this is a crazy game because I mean this is what happens when you have two bad football teams I mean yeah we're not sitting here saying the Longhorns are some stellar Texas team we're, we're god awful it's just that West Virginia may may be just a little awful and we're god awful so we're going to see how it plays <laughs> we're going to see how it plays out for sure but Matt go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you and then I'm going to close out the show on a on a quick note um, with a little tribute so go ahead Matt. Sure. Sure thing. You can find me on Twitter at UT Tailgaters. UT Tailgaters, no spaces, no hyphens. I'll be uh, abroad on Saturday, but I'm making a point to uh, find a way to be online, both watching the game and talking about it on Twitter. So I will not be silent during the game. Absolutely. Well, like I said in the opening, uh, you know, one of the, the greatest joys of the podcast, obviously, again, I think we made a new friend tonight, meeting Jeff from, uh, from BlueGoldSports.com. Uh, first time he had been on, uh, one of our longtime guests who had been on the show, I mean, probably one of the first, second, or third guests I ever had over four years ago when we started this thing was the Deuce Jerry McGee, co-founder of the site BlueGoldSports.com. Um, when we went up to West Virginia a couple of years ago, um, met all those guys. They let us hang out with them, showed us around, um, had a great time. Um, uh, again, the, the West Virginia fans, uh, man, they can talk trash with the best of them. Uh, they can they can needle you. They can make you feel real bad. But one thing about it, when it's all said and done, they'll shake your hand and give you a cold beer or even some good moonshine after the game, even after we walked out and won in overtime. Um, it was a lot of fun. They treated us well. When they came to Austin, we had a lot of their fans come to our tailgate. Uh, and that's what it's really about. You know, we can all hate each other, talk trash, but at the end of the day, if, if, if you, you have a cold beer and you shake hands and wish each other luck. Uh, but, again, you know, Jerry, you know, met him on Twitter, met him through the, through the college football thing, and he honestly really did become a friend. Um, and that's been the best thing about this show. Um, I have met so many, so many good people um, around the country. But unfortunately, a couple months ago, at the young age of 35, uh, Jerry passed away. And, you know, he's been on everybody's minds this week and and, in their thoughts because obviously, uh, you know, he had a mutual respect for Texas, but by God, he wanted to beat Texas bad. And I I didn't hate him for that. Um, I want to beat West Virginia bad, too. I mean, like we said, that's part of it. Uh, But he had always tweeted at me the the game of the – when, when he was getting close to Texas game week, he, I mean, his, his, his classic response to me, he'd tweet at me and say, Texas ain't ready. And uh, we'd go at it all week long, back and forth on Twitter. I'd get on his message board, and, and there'd be a thread 35 pages long. But at the end of the day, we would call each other up and say, great game, shake hands, have a beer, and move on down the road. Um, so Jerry has missed not only his, his passion for West Virginia – um, but his friendship, I know all the guys at Blue Gold Sports are still not over because it was a sudden passing. Um, Jerry was a firefighter, so we thank him for his service there, all the people that knew him in his town community. And he all, anybody that goes into that line of work always puts people first. Um, so with that said, Jerry, um, tonight's Orange Report is in your honor. Um, for those guests that are offended by foul language, you may want to log off now. But in honor of Jerry, eat shit pit. Um, so there you go, Jerry. Uh, for all my Longhorn listeners, thanks for listening. The eyes of Texas are upon you. Always remember, hook them horns. And Jerry, this song is for you, sir. Rest in peace, my friend. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain. Shenandoah River Life is over there 
Older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like the breeze, country roads take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home, country roads. my memories gather round her finest lady stranger to blue water dark and dusty painted on the sky misty taste of moonshine it drops in my eyes country road take me home Oh 